Sketches by Boz, Section 11. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Brad Philippone. Sketches by Boz by Charles Dickens, Section 11. Scenes, Chapter 4, Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard is a small, a very small tract of land, bounded on one side by the River Thames, on the other by the gardens of Northumberland House, abutting at one end on the bottom of Northumberland Street, at the other on the back of Whitehall Place. When this territory was first accidentally discovered by a country gentleman who lost his way in the Strand some years ago, the original settlers were found to be a tailor, a publican, two eating-house keepers, and a fruit-pie-maker and it was also found to contain a race of strong and bulky men who repaired to the wharfs in scotland yard regularly every morning about five or six o'clock to fill heavy wagons with coal with which they proceeded to distant places up the country and supplied the inhabitants with fuel when they had emptied their wagons they again returned for a fresh supply and this trade was continued throughout the year as the settlers derived their subsistence from ministering to the wants of these primitive traders, the articles exposed for sale and the places where they were sold bore strong outward marks of being expressly adapted to their tastes and wishes. The tailor displayed in his window a Lilliputian pair of leather gaiters and a diminutive round frock, while each doorpost was appropriately garnished with a model of a coal-sack the two eating-house keepers exhibited joints of a magnitude and puddings of a solidity which coal-heavers alone could appreciate and the fruit-pie-maker displayed on his well-scrubbed window-board large white compositions of flour and dripping ornamented with pink stains giving rich promise of the fruit within which made their huge mouths water as they lingered past but the choicest spot in all scotland yard was the old public-house in the corner. Here, in a dark, wainscoted room of ancient appearance, cheered by the glow of a mighty fire, and decorated with an enormous clock, whereof the face was white and the figures black, sat the lusty coal-heavers quaffing large draughts of Barclay's best, and puffing forth volumes of smoke, which wreathed heavily above their heads, and involved the room on a thick, dark cloud from this apartment might their voices be heard on a winter's night penetrating to the very bank of the river as they shouted out some sturdy chorus or roared forth the burden of a popular song dwelling upon the last few words with a strength and length of emphasis which made the very roof tremble above them here too would they tell old legends of what the thames was in ancient times when the patent shop manufactory wasn't built and the waterloo bridge had never been thought of and then they would shake their heads with portentous looks to the deep edification of the rising generation of heavers who crowded round them and wondered where all this would end whereat the tailor would take his pipe solemnly from his mouth and say how that he hoped it might end well but he very much doubted whether it would or not and couldn't rightly tell what to make of it a mysterious expression of opinion delivered with a semi-prophetic air which never failed to elicit the fullest concurrence of the assembled company and so they would go on drinking and wondering till ten o'clock came and with it the tailor's wife to fetch him home when the little party broke up to meet again in the same room and say and do precisely the same things on the following evening at the same hour 
About this time the barges that came up the river began to bring vague rumours of Scotland Yard of somebody in the city having been heard to say that the Lord Mayor had threatened in so many words to pull down the old London Bridge and build up a new one. At first these rumours were disregarded as idle tales, wholly destitute of foundation, for nobody in Scotland Yard doubted that if the Lord Mayor contemplated any such dark design, he would just be clapped up in the tower for a week or two, and then killed off for high treason. By degrees, however, the reports grew stronger and more frequent, and at last a barge, laden with numerous chaldrons of the best Wallsend, brought up the positive intelligence that several of the archers of the old bridge were stopped, and that preparations were actually in progress for constructing the new one. What an excitement was visible in the old tap-room on that memorable night! Each man looked into his neighbour's face, pale with alarm and astonishment, and read therein an echo of the sentiments which filled his own breast. The oldest heaver present proved to demonstration that the moment the piers were removed, all the water in the Thames would run clean off and leave a dry gully in its place. What was to become of the coal-barges, of the trade of Scotland Yard, of the very existence of its population? The tailor shook his head more sagely than usual, and, grimly pointing to a knife on the table, bid them wait and see what happened. He said nothing, not he. But if the Lord Mayor didn't fall a victim to popular indignation, why, he would be rather astonished, that was all. They did wait. Barge after barge arrived, and still no tidings of the assassination of the Lord Mayor. The first stone was laid. It was done by a duke, the king's brother. Years passed away, and the bridge was opened by the king himself. In course of time the piers were removed, and when the people in Scotland Yard got up next morning in the competent expectation of being able to step over to Pedlar's Acre without wetting the soles of their shoes, they found to their unspeakable astonishment that the water was just where it used to be. A result so different from that which they had anticipated from this first improvement produced its full effect upon the inhabitants of Scotland Yard. One of the eating-house keepers began to court public opinion, and to look for customers among a new class of people. He covered his little dining-tables with white cloths, and got a painter's apprentice to inscribe something about hot joints from twelve to two in one of the little panes of his shop-window. Improvement began to march with rapid strides to the very threshold of Scotland Yard. A new market sprung up at Hungerford and the police commissioners established their office in Whitehall Place. The traffic in Scotland Yard increased, fresh members were added to the House of Commons, the Metropolitan Representatives found it a near cut, and many other foot-passengers followed their example. We marked the advance of civilization, and beheld it with a sigh. The eating-house keeper, who manfully resisted the innovation of tablecloths, was losing ground every day as his opponent gained it, and a deadly feud sprung up between them. The genteel one no longer took his evening's pint in Scotland Yard, but drank gin and water at a parlour in Parliament Street. The fruit-pie-maker still continued to visit the old room, but he took to smoking cigars and began to call himself a pastry-cook and read the papers. The old heavers still assembled round the ancient fireplace, but their talk was mournful and the loud song and the joyous shout were heard no more. And what is Scotland Yard now? How have its old customs changed, 
and how has the ancient simplicity of its inhabitants faded away the old tottering public-house is converted into a spacious and lofty wine-vaults gold leaf has been used in the construction of the letters which emblazon its exterior and the poet's art has been called into requisition to intimate that if you drink a certain description of ale you must hold fast by the rail the tailor exhibits in his window the pattern of a foreign-looking brown surtout with silk buttons a fur collar and fur cuffs he wears a stripe down the outside of each leg of his trousers and we have detected his assistance for he has assistance now in the act of sitting on the shop-board in the same uniform at the other end of the little row of houses a bootmaker has established himself in a brick box with the additional innovation of a first floor and here he exposes for sale boots real wellington boots an article which a few years ago none of the original inhabitants had ever seen or heard of it was but the other day that a dressmaker opened another little box in the middle of the row and when we thought that the spirit of change could produce no alteration beyond that a jeweller appeared and not content with exposing gilt rings and copper bracelets out of number put up an announcement which still sticks in his window that ladies ears may be pierced within the dressmaker employs a young lady who wears pockets in her apron and the tailor informs the public that gentlemen may have their own materials made up amidst all this change and restlessness and innovation there remains but one old man who seems to mourn the downfall of this ancient place he holds no converse with humankind but seated on a wooden bench at the angle of the wall which fronts the crossing from whitehall place watches in silence the gambols of his sleek and well-fed dogs he is the presiding genius of scotland yard years and years have rolled over his head but in fine weather or in foul hot or cold wet or dry hail rain or snow he is still in his accustomed spot misery and want are depicted in his countenance his form is bent by age his head is grey with length of trial but there he sits from day to day brooding over the past and thither he will continue to drag his feeble limbs until his eyes have closed upon scotland yard and upon the world together a few years hence and the antiquary of another generation looking into some mouldy record of the strife and passions that agitated the world in these times may glance his eye over the pages we have just filled and not all his knowledge of the history of the past not all his black-letter lore or his skill in book-collecting not all the dry studies of a long life or the dusty volumes that have cost him a fortune may help him to the whereabouts either of scotland yard or of any one of the landmarks we have mentioned in describing it end of section eleven